You're now listening to a new episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. Gratitude instills humility. Gratitude removes ego. Gratitude helps empower the best in others around you. Our goal is to guide individuals and companies to practice gratitude so you can live a longer, happier, and more successful life. Get ahead of life with connection and purpose. This is Gratitude Through Hard Times with Chris Shembra. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. It's your host, Chris Shembra. And today, it's a tease here in New York City. I think it was 60 degrees yesterday. It'll be 32 and rainy tomorrow, and spring is not quite in the air. Uh, but today, I'm excited for you to join us for another episode of this amazing podcast. Today, we're bringing on a dear friend, and I'm going to talk about her in, in just a few minutes. If you are new to this podcast, I want to give you a big old welcome. You've stumbled upon a podcast series where we like to bring on great leaders to share the stories of how they got to where they are in life, how they built the companies that they've built by maintaining an attitude of gratitude, humility, empathy, compassion, service. If you click through the podcast episode archives, you'll see amazing episodes with everything from Fortune 50 executives, Academy Award winners, Grammy Award winners, Super Bowl champions, Hall of Fame athletes, and more. We like to bring you the best and the brightest leaders to share their human stories that you can connect to. If you like this podcast, we invite you to click that subscribe button and share this episode with some of your friends. If you're a repeat offender to this podcast, we welcome you back. A lot of you have been tuning in since this conversation or since this podcast was called 747 Conversations. We decided to rebrand the podcast to Gratitude Through Hard Times after our book, our most recent book, was launched in June of 2022 and with your loyal support helped to make it reach number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Gratitude Through Hard Times is the idea that we can be going through some of the craziest and most obscure moments in, in our life or in human history, but we can find positive benefits through it and use gratitude as a tool to create meaningful connections with others and a little bit of a positive mental attitude. We thank you for your loyal support, and some of our favorite moments are when you write in your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns on today's episode. Today's episode, our guest is no stranger to gratitude, and I know firsthand. Today, we have our dear friend, Lauren Greif, reminds me of life. Lauren lives in Chicago. Uh, we met virtually before we actually even met in person. And we've ended up doing a whole ton of cool things together. She runs a beautiful community. She has an amazing partner. She has great kids. And she's built a wonderful company. She's the founder and CEO. Well, she, she actually probably has an even more interesting job title that she would call herself of Portfolio Rocket. It's an amazing company that propels creatives and marketers into the hidden job market. 
and helps them land their next ideal and, dare she say, galactic career move. Did you know that 80 to 85% of the jobs in this country are not posted? They actually require you out there to be a little creative, a little unique, a little connected, a little bit uh, go into the space beyond what you thought was needed to get your next career opportunity. She's not a life coach. She's not a career coach. She's not a recruiter or a guru, but she's developed a proprietary system to help you get your next big opportunity. Now, I know a lot of you that are listening to this are either employers of a great deal of people or are in between your next gig or thing. This proprietary framework that she's developed will help you either find your next hidden talent or will help you find your next hidden opportunity that could completely change around your life and career. Um, We're going to talk about so many things today, but we're going to focus on the human aspect of what makes this amazing lady so unique and cool to connect with. Lauren Greif, welcome to the podcast. Chris Shembra, I'm so (laughs) happy to be here. You know how I love to hang out with you and Molly and all all the people in your life. It's so, so much fun. Lauren, you you have helped uh, a, a lot of people in your day. Um, I mean, starting off uh, in corporate America as a vice president at one of the great advertising agencies to you know now being your own uh, boss, you haven't lost a sense of humility and a sense of service and a sense of connection. And, and we always believe that that comes from an attitude of gratitude. Right, the, the whole theme of this podcast is about gratitude. So we have to kick off today with a little bit of gratitude. All our loyal listeners know we ask this question at the start of every podcast to some of the new people listening. We've used this question around gratitude to spark over 500,000 relationships in the last seven years. So I figured we'd start with it off here today just to get connected as humans. Lauren. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be and why? It's amazing. Um, I'm so glad that I get to answer this question because it was asked during the gratitude event that I hosted with you for my clients. And since I was a part of the host, I didn't get to answer the question. So I got I got the the perseverance payback right here. <laughs> and that and that person is uh without a single doubt is a woman by the name of Eileen Jones. She was my high school English teacher. She was the first person who ever acknowledged that I was a strong writer and what ended up happening, and I, I, I'm still very much in touch with her today, is she was a, 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 I mean, I grew up in a very lily white Jewish neighborhood in Massachusetts. And I'm not sure exactly how she got to be there, but she was a very elegant black woman who came in with a broadcasting background. 
I mean, think of David Bowie's wife, Iman, and that is very much uh, a, an image of who this woman was to me in that day. And there she was, this elegant creature in my high school. And I was like, wow. And she had just had such a way with her. And um, I just remember her her helping me to create a, a level of voice for my writing and also was a real advocate of mine. And um, I'm so grateful that I'm still in touch with her today. Today, like we connect on Facebook and, and all that kind of stuff, but we also text. And um, I recently sent her my podcast, which you're going to be on very shortly. And um, it's just really nice to have that person in your life who knew you way back when and believed in you long before you did for yourself. Mm. So That's thank you, a, Miss Jones. Eileen Jones. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a beautiful person who's helped out a lot of people to find their unique self and a sense of connection with others. For sure. Cheers to her. Cheers to her. I'm going to get back to Eileen a little bit later in the podcast when I'm probably going to close out asking how she helped you explore your own landscape, become a unique being, connect with intelligent life forms, and commit to go beyond. But we'll get back to that later in the podcast. To all our listeners, those are four of the descriptions of what a a journey with Lauren at Portfolio Rocket will look like for you. Um, It's so amazing to hear, you know, how you talk about her. You know, Eileen invested in you in this way. And then you went out and built an amazing career in advertising, uh, growing to be an executive, um, eventually leaving that career uh, to go off on your own and start your own thing. And your, your journeys had a lot of setbacks, pitfalls, heartbreaks, successes, and everything in between. Um, at, at what point did you ever feel like whatever Eileen had taught you early in life wasn't actually how you were showing up into the world? And then how did solving that disconnection help you create Portfolio Rocket? I think that completely unbeknownst to me that this was happening, and of course, it's only with this level of hindsight that I can connect these dots. What I, what I learned from Eileen um, at the time, which is so weird to call her Eileen because she's really Miss Jones to me still, <laughs> um, is, as I mentioned, she was, she was very much um, an outlier. We were in this very white community. She also was not married and had a child, which is, this is back in the 70s or 80s. And I always found that really curious. I was like, hmm, like that's, that's bold, right? Like that's like, that's novel. That's, that's not like what I understand is unfamiliar. And I think that those seeds of being able to do both, to be an outlier and to also hold your head up with 
grace and dignity. I never, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that those two things could be inextricably linked. I thought that those were like, you had to be a maverick and you had to be like a bulldozer or you had to be this lady and, you know, kind of play by the rules. And so what I got to see in her was that you got to be both. And I think that's a really, really unbelievable, unique quality that I think is uh, elusive, but I find it to be a trend in a lot of the people that I admire too, right? That those, that those, that rebel can be uh, blended with a lot of discernment, decorum, and, and also, I guess you could say, uh, the ability to be kind and loving and, and just a really wonderful person. So I don't know if I really answered that question. You answered it and more. Mm. Um, you had an early teacher early on that planted the seeds of what you would then um, be able to find kind of like a North Star set of qualities, um, dialectics that you could find in late stage mentors in your life. Um, and it, it's also um, qualities that you learn very early on that now you help people wake up in their own selves through your por- portfolio rocket programs. hundred percent. So I think that, Oh, you go. I think that um, I want to impart this as a precursor to some of the conversations that you're having, right? I think that there's a lot of um, kind of bullshit beliefs around what it means to be a professional, right? We have to wear a costume. We have to look apart a certain part. We have to have a certain uh, persona on LinkedIn which is where all that jargon and rhetoric come in. I'm a seasoned professional. It's like, ugh, right? And and then a lot of the folks that I work with who are C-suiters and executives, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't say that because that wouldn't make me professional. Well, a lot of the research says that thought leadership is predicated off of the two things that hiring and decision makers want most. Number one, authenticity. Okay, so if you're wearing the costume and you're using the jargon, you're not meeting where they are. The second thing is sharing information that is valuable to others about your industry, what you are giving away, not not necessarily people always say, oh, I don't like to talk about myself on LinkedIn. Well, guess what? You don't have to. You just have to help other people look good. <laughs> Make them look smarter. Here's, here's a way that you can help them win. Now you are not talking about yourself. You are just there as the person who is imparting that wonderful piece of information so that they can go and be successful. So I just wanted to put that out there because again, I think that there is so many misnomers around this and, um, and, Clearly, I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> so at what point did you go from wearing the cloak, hiding your authentic identity, 
rising up the ranks through corporate America to then branching out on your own and figuring out that you could help creatives and marketers find hidden opportunities for their next amazing career move. Thanks, Chris. Um, And I do want to make one correction. So crazy thing. My business grew faster than I ever expected. And I am now working cross industry. So I started off in creative and marketers. And now I do cover ops. I cover legal, HR, tech. So the methodology is is so elastic that it has been able to serve multiple industries, all industries primarily. I mean, I, I, I don't have anybody in my current client base who is a AI prompt engineer, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the question about when did I, when did I take off the cloak? Um, I'm a very slow learner. And what that means is that I fought it for so long. A lot of that inbreeding, that thinking that, that I know many people still subscribe to, I, I, I resisted and I, and I can be a bit of a pit bull. So it, it was not an easy ease away from that dog bone, right? I thought that that was the thing. And fortunately, and I think this happens for all of us in life, something happens, either it happens because it just happened or we unconsciously have created that for ourselves. And I was in my last corporate role at Corn Ferry, which is a very large, like exclusive executive search firm. And the truth be told is I knew from the very beginning in my gut, it was the wrong thing. I knew because when I went to interview on site, nobody had anything on the walls of their office. And um, <laughs> P.S., I'm a design junkie. And uh, I love art and design. And it, it, it energizes me. And somehow that was a signal that it was a very sterile environment, which was true. And I ended up having um, an email correspondence that was flagged by my boss. And in the email, I had congratulated a candidate who made it to the final rounds of a CMO position. The gentleman had been a previous Nike executive who is going for this role. And in the email, I said, yippee. I had like this, like, it was like, yippee. Like you, you've gone through like eight rounds of interviews. Amazing. And there was a knock on my door and my boss said, I need to talk to you about that email. And I'm thinking like, WTF? what? And she's like, we don't use the word yippee in our emails. And I was just like, am I missing some hidden definition of the word yippee, by the way? It's just yippee, right? Right. And so that was literally the wake up call that I, that I heard. And maybe it was my yippee, you're free. But I took that as 
a very clear, you just broke the camel's back signal. And I quit that, that next Monday. That was, I think it was like a Thursday or a Friday. That Monday, I quit. And I made the conscious decision that I would have no regrets about leaving. And I had explored every opportunity that I had to be able to make the kind of impact that I was looking for, but that, that the industry of hiring and the recruiting and the, and the whole you know, search thing, while it is, is not without its merits, to me was not just broken, it was, it was a calling for me that you are either going to be part of the continuous problem or you are going to create a different kind of solution. And I was, I was as serious as a heart attack about that. It was, it was like a, like I felt like I was on the fibrillator. And that's what's happened ever since. <laughs> you went out and created something completely different than how it's been done for so many years. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what does that look like? How did you find the first batch of like-minded people who believed in breaking the status quo to get their next thing in life? So first of all, I, I just want um, to tell you this, and I, I may have before, but I'm, I'm just going to top line it real fast. Um, when this happened, I, I, um, I became obsessed. Like, I, I, I mean, literally obsessed, would wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go through journal after journal after journal after journal, writing down all of the issues, problems that people had come to me with over the years that would literally like set me on fire. Like, I wish this would go away. This is ridiculous. This is so stupid. I can't, like, I just did a complete brain dump and I got it all out and it was messy and it was ugly. And it was like morning, noon and night. And I was like drinking coffee and doing all the things just to, just to spell it out. And then after I started putting the um, ideas together, I realized, and this should be for every candidate and every business, you must solve a problem. Do not ask yourself, if you are in your career right now, what do I want to do next? Please, 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 please ask yourself what problems you want to solve, what problems you're good at solving, and what you want to continue solving. Because as you go through transition, you want to offload the problems you don't want to solve anymore. Right? Just because you did it doesn't mean you want to do it going forward. Hmm. Have somebody else do it. So I started recognizing that if I was going to launch a business, I had to fix a big problem. A problem that is just so relevant and resonating to anyone within the job search process, which in my case is removing the root canal, right? People stay in jobs for hundreds of reasons. Some of the biggest are because, A, the idea of leaving is worse than the hellhole that they're in now. The idea 
the perception of leaving is going to be scary. The change is going to just be like, like the worst thing that ever happened to them, which is why I refer to it as the root canal. Some of you have written in saying that one of your favorite quotes in our book, Gratitude Through Hard Times, is when we quote Seneca, the great Seneca the Elder from 62 AD, stating that we suffer more in imagination than in reality. So just a quick little side note is a lot of you that listen to this podcast loved that part of the book. That's exactly what Lauren's talking about. I didn't mean to digress. No, not at all. And they, there's a term for that. It's called sheltering. Mm. We shelter in those places because even though we are so miserable, it's much misery is comfortable stay yeah. than it is to leave until it just becomes too loud or something happens like you get let go or involuntarily exited or whatever happens and then you have no choice. So I wanted to be able to offer an alternative that would help people to migrate out of that so it didn't have to feel so painful. And the second thing, which is super, super um, like core to this process that I wanted to make sure that I was providing a solution to is if you do not know or want to learn or to uncover how to be able to navigate forward in your career, you need to have a system that is rinsable and repeatable. With the amount of turnover in the C-suite, the churn rate, this will happen over and over and over and over again. And if you are unprepared now, okay, I get that. But if you find that you can learn it, (laughs) then shame on you for not. Because if you are unprepared, there will be people who are prepared and you will have no choice but to take a second, a a backseat to that because there is a process and there is a learning methodology and it's been proven and the world is moving way, way, way too fast for you to think that the old ways of doing it are going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, what what Lauren's essentially talking about is um, at some point in our life when we realize we're miserable, we either continue the same patterns and keep getting the same jobs over and over and over again that keep making us miserable, or you take a pause in that, you take a new approach to finding your next opportunity, and you follow a system to get you prepared to dreaming up what that could look like and how to find that. Now, Lauren, you've developed that system. Can you walk us through briefly your four-step process, 12-week four-step process to getting these people's lives complete 180 Yes, to help them not keep making the same mistakes, but do something different and solve some pain point? Great. So there are four steps. I want you to imagine that there's an imaginary line between Um, the first half and the second half. So one and two, imaginary line, three and four. One and two are what happens before you walk yourself into the marketplace. Because guess what? 
Most people, what they do is they go out and they just do all this stuff and they get really anxious and they, they have no footing at all. And they just want to fix the problem right away and get another job because I'm so nervous and what's going to happen? Okay. Take a pause and get some <laughs> seeds in the ground. Ask yourself in step one, why the hell are you doing what you're doing in the first place? Get your why locked and loaded and understand what your core values are, your top three. That is your benchmark and your reference point to how you are going to evaluate opportunities in your next, as they stroll in, but also to make sure that there's a level of alignment. Not You're not looking for a J-O-B. If you were at this point in your career, you could go get a J-O-B. Most people that I work with anyway are looking for fulfillment (laughs) and to meet a very a, a number of criteria. We want to establish how people are going to find you, right? What keywords and what companies are in your top 10 to 15 ideals, right? And that could be both companies that are have open roles and don't have open roles. The next thing we really, really want to do is we want to understand like the top three to four ways that you have had your case studies of success, right? So I want to know if you're a person that says, oh, I'm a great problem solver. Great. I hear that one all the time. So I want to know what is the key problem that you are great at solving Oh, I generate revenue. Okay, tell me a revenue story. And then I have a framework for how to do that in about two minutes. Because Mm. remember this, as you become more senior, you have less words to influence more people in less time. And nobody in an interview is going to want to hear a long diatribe about blah, 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 because that's when they're tuning out. We also want to establish what your personal criteria are. So you have some boundaries that includes compensation, location, which right now is a big hot item because remote is not as generously offered as it has been in the past. Phase one, get those markers in place. Phase two is all about your assets. LinkedIn. What I mean about LinkedIn is don't tell me you have a profile. Everybody has a in profile, is it a poster or is it a landing page? Meaning, is it converting for you? Is it doing something while you're sleeping? Is it generating the kind of activity and connections that it needs to? Super important. Content strategy. Don't get freaked out like, oh my God, you're going to make me write all this content. Your comments are going to be an even more powerful reach vehicle than the actual green content that you would write yourself. Mm. but they need to be used strategically. So use them across the 10 to 15 organizations that you've already established. Let them find you so that you are in those conversations. The next thing we want to really do is we want to go and create some assets, some marketing materials with resumes. By the way, I don't write resumes. I hate resumes. I have a team of resume writers and they are studying the latest and the greatest iterations of how resumes have transformed pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. And there is a big shift because right Mm. now, don't go out there and start screaming that you're a disruptor because the environment is all about (laughs) 
efficiency and productivity. Mm-hmm. So important nuance. We also create a lot of visual assets. We want to make sure that we are telegraphing the story in easy and digestible ways so that decision makers don't have to spend a lot of time to get the information that could normally be written out with a lot of bullet points. Make it easy for them to transact. Phases one and two. Phases three and four, oh my goodness, this is the, this is where the, this is where the money is. This is where the magic is, is what we call networking with strangers, right? Most people are under the understandable belief that you should go back and tap your network, which you should. So bear with me. But the real transformation happens when you are developing the relationships with second, third, fourth degree connections, which are known as your weaker ties, Mm -hmm. right? Your weak links are your stronger ties. Your weak links. As a quick aside, uh, for those of you who love this part of our book as well, there's a whole chapter called The Strength of Weak Ties, which follows the Stanford, Stanford University's 44-page sociological study done by Mark Gansevoorter that, that shows the science of what Lauren's talking about. The majority of new job opportunities, referrals, growth exchanges, whatever, come through a weak tie in your network. Vital information is best passed through a weak tie. That's the importance of a broker in real estate, a lawyer in lawyering. These third-party middle people um, that you don't get to talk to as much actually do more for you than just going directly to like your best friend or like your parents or 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 someone who's really close to you for this kind of these new opportunities. There's too much pressure on the relationship, weak ties that you can reconnect with, that you can, that have been lying dormant can actually have a lot, a lot, a lot of value. Yes. I'm going to double click on this because um, I think it'll make you laugh and it's great when you laugh. (laughs) My point here is that the people that are in your first degree connections, they already know you, right? They know you, they're your best. They see your growth. There's no profit in a man's own land. Those right. that are closest exactly. to you see your growth the slowest. It's right. from the freaking Bible. <laughs> they, carry, they carry the baggage of yeah. what they know about you. And if you keep going back to them exclusively, you will be drinking dirty bathwater, right? Yeah. It's like you're just recycling <laughs> that same thing over. See, I told you I'd make you laugh. Same <laughs> thing over and over and over again. And there will be no fresh water in those opportunities and you've kind of created a container that eventually contaminates itself. So we, we actually build out a web, like a spider web and a network. And I have a methodology that that's called the, the coffee solution of how to scale that in 30 days. It's pretty mm. cool. Mm-hmm. And you so, use some of those tactics on me too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You got to do your own. We, your own we, coffee, we, right? Yeah, I drank from your hose. We had a yeah. coffee date. Yeah. <laughs> and so we want to create some consistency and methodology around that so that you're productive with your time. And so what we do is we, we, we set up that framework. And then also in that, in that area, we are also making sure that in phase three, we are, we are not just um, preparing for interviews by way of having good examples, 
of what we want to share in that interview, how we're going to steer the interview and own it, and what we call 100, 200, and 300 level questions Mm. that are designed to allow that listener, the audience at hand, to say to themselves, OMG, if they put all this effort into asking this question now, this is like head and shoulders above what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. They did that for free. Imagine what they would do when they came into my company. As as a beautiful aside, I just want to double click on your uh, amazing investment in teaching people the power of great questions. Questions are everything to us. The first job title I ever gave myself at my company was chief question asker. My friend Johanna goes out and does question asking seminars. My friend Mark Champagne wrote a book called Personal Socrates about the power of questions. My buddy Cal Fussman uh, runs a podcast called Big Questions with Cal Fussman. What Lauren's just talking about is what we obsess about the most in our life. And so if you enjoy everything that we're up to, you're going to love her level 100, 200, 300 framework around teaching you how to ask better questions. Exactly. And then when we get to step four, phase four, my clients have multiple offers. They don't just take the first one at hand because we're going back and we're, we're, we're playing with all the variables that we set out. But then we want to do what's called sniff testing. Sniff testing is a very nice way of saying, who the fuck are these people anyway, mm. right? I don't want to, you know, you got you to gotta find out where the dead bodies are buried before you get into the company. Because if you don't, shame on you. And you have a lot, a, a lot of uh, control at this point, especially if you have the offer. You want to know things like, aside from title, who are the real decision makers? Right? You want to you get under the hood. And then, of course, making sure that onboarding and your 30, 60, 90-day plan is there. Now, I just want to make mention to one thing in this because it's really important to understand is that the hidden job market is available to all of us, every single one of us. It's not like some secret society or anything like that. And as you had also stressed, Chris, right, it, it is coming through those, it's coming through contacts. It can come through multiple, multiple areas. It can come through content. It could come through a conversation. It could come from somebody that's standing in line next to you at the post office. We just don't know. You have to keep your eyes and ears open for it. And you also have to continuously look at the opportunities in the landscape and say to yourself, I see this problem that is glaring at me over there at XYZ company, here's how I would solve it. Hmm. And put yourself in that situation so that when you are talking to that referral or talking to maybe a hiring manager or decision makers, you are essentially coming at it from a place of expertise rather than groveling and looking for a position that fits a bunch of bogus items on a job description checklist, mm-hmm. right? This is not about contorting yourself and playing Cirque du Soleil with your career. This is about 
really advocating and treating yourself as somebody who is going to transform an organization from where it is now to where it is that you're going to take it. So consider where it is and what would be that change when you get there that you're going to drive. I love that you just said that these, what you, what you've been explaining, uh, problem that you want to solve in the organization that you want to join. Anybody can do this, uh, regardless of your level of seniority. Uh, for instance, if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're an intern uh, right now in, in your life, you can look at an organization and look at a, a small problem that needs solving, but insert yourself as the solution for that problem. And they'll take, they'll invent a job just for that problem they they need solved. Um, If you're at a senior level, you can look at a really, really big problem and say, God, that's the problem that I think can add $100 million a year in net new revenue. Can I come solve that for you? Can you invent a position that that I could be the one to solve that pain point? That's how you get stuff done. Um, It's funny that the second episode of Ted Lasso actually... um, actually kind of hints at this when Keely, who's, uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, you know, the, the girlfriend, well, now ex-girlfriend, uh, but, but the girlfriend of Roy Kent ends up building a PR firm and she ends up hiring her best friend. Mm. And they don't even have a job title. They don't even have a job opening. The CFO actually comes into Keely and says, we can't hire this person. What's she going to do? And Keely said, mm-hmm. well, this is the pain point she's going to solve. And this is why intuitively I know she can solve that problem very well. So the CFO go, goes out and invents a job title for her. Mm-hmm. But there was a pain point that needed to be solved and Keely saw that. God, Ted Lasso exactly. te- teaches us so much about life. And, and I will also say to that end, right? Seth Godin, who's the grandfather or the, the grand poobah of marketing, also mm-hmm. talked about this in his book called Lynchpin. Oh, yeah. Lynchpin's the, yeah. And, and essentially what, what this is all about is creating a level of indispensability for you and your career. Because if there's a problem that everybody can solve, they don't need you. No, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You got to you got to you've got to figure out the unique problems that you can solve. Cuz if it's easy to solve then just slot another person in there. Make yourself a commodity. Yeah. So you want to be able to really know and articulate what that problem is and what it will change in the organization when you do. Mhm. Lauren, as you were talking about your four-part proprietary system, not only was I trying to apply it to my own life, but I was thinking about a range of different people across different industries that can use this in their own lives. And so if you're listening to this and you're probably sitting there saying, I'm, I'm wearing the cloak, I'm not living an authentic life, I don't know the problem that I'm actually solving, I need to go out and find that meaning, find that purpose, develop my own unique offering that I can bring into a company. Lauren is the the person to call. 
Um, you deserve to land your dream job, but you got to do a little bit of work on the front end in order to do it. And Lauren's the person that can help you do that. Lauren, what do you want people to do next? Where can they find you? How do they get involved? What's the next step that someone on this podcast can take? Please find me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. My, all of my details, what I do and all that good stuff. If you want to book a discovery call, they're 15 minutes and I can promise you um, the questions, the three questions that I will ask you will be very clarifying (laughs) and you will be able to know and so will I right away if we're a good fit to work together. And um, separately, there's, I don't know, like a crap ton of recommendations if you're curious about other people's experience with Portfolio Rocket check it out, right? And then lastly, um, please go and check out my new podcast, Career Blast and a Half. And what we do in this podcast is uh, we are talking about zooming past the stinky, outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So Mm. there'll be more on that later. (laughs) Lauren, thank you for being here with us today. If Miss Eileen Jones was on this podcast with us right here, right now, what would you say to her? Oh my gosh. What would I say to her? Thank you for the bottom of my heart, Eileen Jones. Thank you for your example and your bravery, your unbelievable wit and class. And uh, thank you for so many of the known and unknown gifts that you've given me over the years. I love you with all my heart. Lauren, thank you for that. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, look, it's, 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 uh, it's no secret. The world's in a pretty weird place. And I know a lot of you are struggling inter- internally. Some mm-hmm. of you are, are running your own company looking for your next move. <laughs> Some of you are working for large organizations looking for your next move. Some of you have just been laid off and are looking for how to get back out and find the opportunities that you need, how to find that next home. Uh, Check out PortfolioRocket.com. Check out all the links in the show notes with Lauren's LinkedIn and new podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this, this episode. Lauren's a dear friend. I've met her community. She connects. There's, there's other people like you out there that are going through the same stuff. And Lauren has a way of connecting them in, in, in big groups for meaningful connections. And so if you're looking for a new community to, to join and to connect with, uh, hers is filled with some pretty amazing people. Um, if you like this episode and you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, we encourage you to do that just now. Um, if you like what you heard, Think about those people in your life who you know are kind of wearing that cloak looking for their next thing and send this episode to them. Do them that service. They will feel grateful to having been thought of. Keep tuning in as we keep bringing you some pretty amazing people that are doing life the human way, living an attitude of gratitude. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you're having a phenomenal day on earth. Remember folks, it's your world. Go explore and we'll see you next 
episode.